So we're wrapping up this series called uh, This is the Way, and if you're new, we've been looking at this idea that the early believers, first century believers, were, they weren't called Christians, they were called followers of the way, or people of the way, meaning there was a particular way that they lived their lives. There was um, characteristics uh, that were true about them, and so people, when they met them, they knew, oh, you must... You must be a person of the way because you exhibit these qualities. And so we've taken the last couple of weeks and we've asked, what are some of those qualities if we walk in the way of Jesus? If we, in 2021, are people of the way, what will our lives look like? What will be true of us? Um, We're here on the front end of Thanksgiving week, which is one of the ways we would live if we're following Jesus. We would live... In gratitude, we, we would live with a, a heart of thankfulness. Um, you're probably making preparations for Thanksgiving. I've talked to some of you, and you're uh, setting the menu, and who's bringing what, and uh, where you're going to go. Some people probably have already left town to begin celebrating Thanksgiving. Hopefully, you're watching online if you've already left town. Others of you, you're going to be leaving town tomorrow, or Tuesday, or Wednesday, Thursday, and, and meeting with family, making all the preparations. I'm wearing my leftovers or for quitters socks today. That's how I'm getting ready for Thanksgiving, just psyching myself up for Thursday to be ready to enjoy uh, a good meal. But we're all preparing for Thanksgiving. comes every year. We, we set this week aside, certainly Thursday aside, uh, to, to think about all of the ways we should be thankful. But the reality is it should be a characteristic of our life all the time. In the Old Testament, uh, we're told, uh, given examples of God's people offering thanks. The Psalms are full of this language, that as, as people come to worship, they're commanded, come with thanksgiving, come sing praises, come pray your prayers, but come with a heart of thanksgiving when you come to God. Realize that you have much to be grateful for uh, that God has put into your life and that God has done for you. Uh, Over in the New Testament, same thing. We're commanded again and again to be people of thanksgiving. Paul says it this way in Ephesians chapter 5. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, always giving thanks. Not just on the fourth Thursday of November, always giving thanks for everything. Always giving thanks for everything. And I don't know about you, but I struggle with the for everything. I'd like to talk to Paul about that. There's some things that I don't feel particularly grateful for, but I can be grateful in everything. In whatever circumstances are happening in my life, I can maintain a heart, a mind, a vocabulary of thanksgiving, even if I don't like all of my circumstances, even if I don't understand all of my circumstances. Paul says it is possible to give thanks in the midst of everything that you're going through. Colossians chapter 2, he uses the phrase that we should be overflowing with thankfulness. Not just a little bit of thankfulness sprinkled in here or there. Certainly not thankfulness just one week out of the year. Our lives should overflow continually, spill out thanksgiving over and over again. Think think about your own life. Nobody's judging anybody else. Just kind of look at your own life. And would you say you're a person that overflows with thanksgiving? Does that just come out of you? Is that constantly spilling out of your life? 1 Thessalonians. 
Paul says, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Just in everything you're going through. Find reasons to be grateful. Find reasons to be thankful. Express gratitude to God. And, and we could say express gratitude to other people who are a part of your life. We know anyone can identify what's wrong. Anybody can find problems. Anyone can be critical. It doesn't take a, a unique set of skills to identify problems. It doesn't take a, a unique level of intelligence to complain. It does take a little more work sometimes to identify what we're grateful for, to push back all of the reasons we could be dissatisfied, all of the reasons we could be discontented, and identify clearly, this is something that I am grateful for in my life. A couple of suggestions to help you with this. One is, pray with your eyes open. If you want to develop a grateful heart, Pray with your eyes open. That may not seem to be related. Uh, Jesus prays in John chapter 17. He's in the upper room with his followers, with his disciples. They're sharing the Last Supper together. And John says this is how Jesus prayed. After Jesus said this, in other words, he'd been teaching them some things. After Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and prayed. He looked at something specific when he prayed. His eyes were wide open. He was looking to his father, who he was grateful for. He was grateful for his relationship to his father. He was grateful that heaven was his home. He opened his eyes. He looked toward those things, and then he began to pray. He didn't bow his head and close his eyes. Now, there's nothing wrong with bowing your head and closing your eyes. Sometimes that can help us block out everything else and have an attitude of reverence when we pray. But we know, at least this time, Jesus prayed with his eyes wide open. When my daughters were really little and we were just teaching them to pray, like many of you, we had prayers at bedtime. And so we'd go into the room, we'd get in one of their rooms, and we'd all pray together. When the girls were just learning to pray, like saying their first prayers by themselves, their entire prayer was what they're thankful for. It was just a list of all the things that they were thankful for that day, one right after the other. They didn't ask God for anything. Uh, they didn't have any big problems that they needed God to solve. So their whole prayer was just, thank you for this and thank you for that, which is a pretty good principle. We can stop there. It's a pretty good principle to remember it's okay sometimes if your entire prayer is just Thanksgiving. Like that's allowed. God is good with that. God wants to hear your request. God wants to hear what's troubling you. He wants to know about your suffering, your pain, whatever struggles you have, whatever questions you have. He wants you to bring all of that to Him. But it's okay sometimes if our prayer is just a list of thank yous to God, especially this week. Maybe, maybe we make that a priority this week of Thanksgiving. It's God, I'm going to take some time out this week. And I'm going to pray just a prayer of thanksgiving. Or I'm going to pray a prayer every day, and it's just going to be a prayer of gratitude. This is how my girls prayed early on. God, thank you for mommy. Thank you for daddy. Thank you for me, ma. Thank you for Mimi. Thank you for my house. Thank you for my room. And so they would just go on and on with thank yous. And then when they couldn't think of another thank you, they would peek. 
They'd be praying, thank you. And then when they ran out of thank yous, they'd look around the room like this. And they would see their baby doll, and they would thank God for it. And they would see their toys, and they'd thank God for their toys and their crayons. and their, their bed. Maybe they were trying to avoid bedtime. That's possible. But the way they generated more gratitude in their heart was to just look around. Because everything was right in front of them that they needed to be thankful for, which is a great lesson for grown-up people, too. Is that as you want to develop a heart of gratitude, maybe just look around. Maybe you need to peek. Maybe you need to open your eyes and realize, yes, there's a laundry list of things that I could complain about, like everybody complains about things right now. Or I could open my eyes and realize that God gave me this and this is good in my life, and these people are in my life, and I'm going to celebrate a holiday with a group of people that I'm glad they're in my life. Sometimes the way to develop gratitude in our heart is just peek, just open your eyes, because the goodness of God is in front of you. The gifts of God are in front of you if you will only See them. We, we walk through much of life with our eyes closed. And I don't mean physically closed. We're not walking around bumping into things. But our eyes sometimes are so focused on everything that's wrong in the world or every controversy that's happening in the world or every argument that people are having with each other or who posted what and who argued with the person who posted that. And our eyes are so focused on all of those sort of things that sometimes we just need to lift them up, right? We need to get, we need to get our focus off of those things and we need to look around and say, you know what? In spite of all of that, this is good and this is good and this is good. Sometimes being more grateful is as simple as opening your eyes. Like little girls peeking around the room. God, I see this, and I'm so thankful. God, I see this, and I'm so thankful. I see this, and I'm so thankful. Maybe just go for a walk this week. As you're running errands this week, as you're driving from one place to the next with eyes wide open, just say, God, I'm thankful for this, and God, I'm thankful for this, and I'm thankful that you're doing this in my life, and I'm thankful that we've come through a lot together over this past year or two or three. It's important to remember when it comes to gratitude, sort of the necessity of gratitude, is that gratitude's a gift we give ourselves as much as a gift that we give to other people. Uh, gratitude certainly has a component of me being thankful for you or me being thankful for something that you did. And expressing that to you is, a, is an encouragement to you. It's a gift I give to you that, that I saw that. I recognize what you did or what you do. I want you to know what you mean in my life. That, that's something I give to you. But what gratitude does to my heart is a gift to me. It's one of those gifts that I give to myself. A couple of examples. This is not exhaustive, but it's a couple of examples to get us thinking. Gratitude protects me from comparison and envy. The more grateful I am for what's in my life, the less I need to compare myself to what's in your life. 
because I'm satisfied in what God has done in me. I'm, I'm satisfied in what God has given me. I'm content in the good gifts that God has put in my life. Gratitude helps me be content. We talk about this uh, from time to time. This is, this is not new information for you, but, but we live in a time where we know everything about everybody for the most part, right? especially the good parts. We know the house people live in, uh, we know the car people drive, we know what they had for dinner last night, we know the vacations that they take, the vacations that they're planning, what they're going to get for Christmas. We see all of this, and it was true to some degree before the internet, but just the volume, right, the quantity of it right now, we have this steady diet of other people's lives. And the best parts of somebody else's world and their home and, and their kids and their vacations. And that primes us for comparison and discontentment. Right? We live in a world that, that primes us to compare ourselves to each other and to be envious of each other. I know your successes and your accomplishments I know when good things happen to you, and on the one hand, we would think, well, I should be happy about that, but we all know how our heart works sometimes. We all know how our world works sometimes, and instead of creating joy at the good gifts that you have, it, could, it creates comparison and rivalry, and well, why couldn't that be me? Gr gratitude is one of the antidotes to that whole thing. Gratitude is one of the antidotes to being discontented with my life. It's a gift I give myself. Like I, I give myself the gift of contentment to the degree that I verbalize gratitude, that I'm thankful. Another way gratitude's a gift to me, when I'm grateful today, I tend to worry less about tomorrow. Worry and anxiety... Uh, can be dealt with to a degree with gratitude. When I'm grateful for how God has provided for me today and in the past, I'm less likely to get anxious about how He's going to provide for me in the future. When I'm grateful for the struggles that He's brought me through in the past, it gives me confidence that He's going to bring me through whatever struggles there are in the future. Thankfulness is a gift I give myself. God, when I'm reminded that God can be trusted based on His track record, not just in His Word, but His track record in my life, then I, I push back the infringement of anxiety into my life. Because God, I, you've been here before. You've walked with me so far. You've provided for me again and again. I'm grateful for that, I, I encourage you, practice gratitude, not just for other people, practice gratitude for you. It will change you. Paul even says that one of the ways that gratitude should change us is our language, the words that are coming out of our mouth. If you want to experiment with kind of where your gratitude level is, just look at the words you use or the words you write or the words... That you post. In, in Ephesians chapter 5, Paul is going through a list of things that we should get out of our life. Like if we're following in the way of Jesus, 
then you should not be doing these things. You should get rid of these things. And and a part of that statement is this. This is verse 4 of Ephesians 5. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather what should be coming out of your mouth is thanksgiving. Walking in the way of Jesus is exchanging foolish talk, obscene talk, coarse joking, angry vocabulary for thanksgiving. Have you noticed what people say these days? <laughs> Have you noticed the, the shift in language these days? Like whether it's television or movies or just everyday conversation. What people are comfortable saying, the the, the jokes that people are comfortable making. Paul says if you are walking in the way of Jesus, that sort of language should get replaced with thanksgiving. I feel less of a need to be harsh with other people when I have been grateful towards God. I feel less of a need to condemn and belittle other people When my mouth is full of thanksgiving to God, Paul says, your language should be gratitude. Not all of these other things that people tend to say. In uh, Luke chapter 17, Luke tells a story. He's the only one that tells the story, but it's about an encounter that Jesus has. Like many of Jesus' encounters, he was going from one place to the other, as, as everyone did. He was walking along the way. He was, he was walking from one place to another, and he came upon a group of people. And this is how Luke tells the story in Luke 17, verse 11. Now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity or have mercy on us. Uh, leprosy in the Bible, is a, it's, it's a broad category for a lot of different skin diseases. But at its worst, uh, leprosy was a highly contagious uh, disease that had no cure. If you contracted leprosy, you were not only going to die, but you were going to die a cruel and horrific death. And and because it was so contagious, if you were found to have leprosy, then you had to leave the rest of the population. You, You had to go by yourself. Later on, we would call them leper colonies, right? But in this first century, you just had to find some cave someplace away from the city, away from your family, away from everything you've ever known, and you had to live there, and the only contact you could have with other people were other lepers. Those are the only people you could be around. As a matter of fact, if anybody came close to you, like this group of people walking down the road, and they were coming close to where the lepers were, the lepers, by law, had to warn people to stay away. Now, we have leprosy. You don't want to come around us. They had no contact with other people except other lepers. They couldn't see their family. They couldn't work a job. Since they couldn't work a job, 
They were completely dependent on the charity of others. They were beggars, but they had to beg from a distance. And so even more so than people who could sit in town and beg, they were dependent on the charity of other people because they could not work another job. It was isolating. It was physically painful. It was emotionally painful, relationally painful, spiritually painful in every way. And Jesus is walking from one place to another. And there's a group of ten lepers that are all together. Interestingly, we find out later in the story that it's a mix of different people among these ten men. They're not all the same. They, they don't all come from the same place. They're not all from the same culture. Uh, they probably don't share the exact same religion. They are very different from one another, which is, which is one of the things pain does for us. Suffering has a way of tearing down barriers among people. Have you known, have, have you seen this to be true? People who are going through the same disease or are going through the same battles, they don't erect quite as many boundaries as some people do. Segregating ourselves from other people is a luxury that healthy people have. It's a luxury that affluent have, that, that we can group ourselves off When we suffer, we look for compassion from wherever compassion comes from. We're not as interested in us versus them or how they're not like us. Here's a group of ten men. They have different backgrounds. They come from different places. They're all suffering the same, and they formed a little community. Now, in this community of men... They knew something about Jesus. They had heard stories. They had been told of miracles. They knew something of his power. And so they begin to call out to him. Someone recognizes him. And they they cry out and, and they say, have mercy on us. Have mercy on us. And this is how the story goes. When Jesus saw them, he said, go, show yourselves to the priests. The reason that was important is because the priest served as the health inspector, right? the, the medical doctor, the CDC of the day. It, it, the only way a person with leprosy could move back into the city or back into their normal life is to go to the priest and for the priest to examine them and declare, determine, certify this person really doesn't have leprosy anymore. So you can go back to your family. These are Old Testament laws uh, from the book of Leviticus. We won't wade through all of that. But the, the law was if you had this particular disease, the priest had to certify that you were well in order for you to move back into your normal life. So Jesus says to them, go show yourself to the priest. And then Luke records, and as they went, they were cleansed. When they turned, when they obeyed Jesus, they were healed. This terrible disease was gone. So they're on their way to present themselves to the priest. And then Luke writes, one of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him 
and he was a Samaritan. And that, that little piece of information is given to us because Jesus wanted it to be clear his mercy was going to everybody. Not only was it going to lepers, it was going to the least expected person within lepers. Samaritans were despised by Jewish people of the time. They were segregated. They were separated, except in their suffering. In their suffering, they were a community. And Jesus says, all ten were healed. All ten were on their way to the priest. And one of them came back, and it's not the one that you thought it was going to be. It's not the one you would have expected. Luke, side note, Luke also writes the book of Acts. They're really two parts of the same story. In the book of Acts, one of the great themes is the gospel's going everywhere. It's not just going to one group of people or one, one culture of people. It's not just going to one race. It's going everywhere. God, God is redeeming and showing grace and love to everyone everywhere. This is Luke, I think, setting that story up. I think that's why he includes this story to say, just want you to know the love of God is for everybody. No matter what your past is, what your experience is, what disease you have, what, what brokenness, what suffering you're in, what label somebody's put on you, where you're from, what your culture is, the gospel, the grace and love of Jesus is going to everyone. But there's a tension at this point in the story. And the tension is, why was it just one person? It's not our tension. It was a tension for Jesus. This is what Luke writes. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Weren't all ten cleansed? And the answer is yes, they were, they were all healed. And they all wanted to be healed equally. They desired healing equally. It's not a matter of desire, which one desired it, wanted it more. They all wanted it. This was a life-changing moment for them. They all had the same desire. They all had a similar expectation of Jesus. They all cried out to Him, believing that He could do this. So, from that standpoint, they all shared a measure of faith. The story says that when Jesus told them to go to the priest, they all went. Nobody said, Jesus, that's a crazy idea. We still have leprosy. Nobody pushed back. They had enough faith to believe that Jesus could heal them. And they all turned and they all went towards the priest. And they all received the same reward. All ten were healed. Jesus didn't take it back because the nine didn't come back and thank him. They all received the same reward, but one of them stopped. And I'm going to be honest, I, I understand why it would have been hard to stop and go back. If you think about the lives that they had been living, if you had not held your child for years, and all of a sudden, you were going to get to go home and pick up your child and hold them in your arms. You'd be in a hurry too, wouldn't you? If you had not kissed your wife, embraced your wife for years, 
And all of a sudden, something that you thought was never going to be possible again was now possible. You'd be in a hurry to get back to. If you could sit down to dinner with friends for the first time in years, if you could go back to work, if your life had suddenly changed, you would be in a hurry to get back there. But that's the way... All of life is in some respects. Life keeps moving, doesn't it? There's always something to look forward to. There's always something else to do. There's always another goal to accomplish. There's always another thing to get to. This is is part of the struggle of developing a grateful life, is that there's always something else to attend to rather than a moment of gratitude. You see, gratitude requires us to interrupt what we're doing. It requires us to, to stop and say, wait, before I rush to the next thing, I need to show gratitude for this. Before I get to that next thing, I need to express gratitude now. Gratitude requires a stop. It requires a pause. It requires a, I'm not going to go forward until I've been grateful for what's already happened. It it requires us to stop. Look, there were incredible reunions that awaited these ten guys. Incredible moments. But only one of them said, before I do that, I'm going to be grateful to the one who made this Possible. It's one of the biggest differences between people who develop the characteristic of gratitude in their heart and those who don't. Those who are kind of sporadically thankful versus those who are overflowing with thankfulness. Those who are consistently thankful. Those who are consistently thankful have a way of pausing and taking care of the gratitude immediately. Immediately, right? Because here's what I've found. In my life, and in, in other people that, that I observe, if we don't express gratitude quickly, we probably never will. If we don't hit pause now and say thank you, express gratitude, life just keeps running away from us. It just keeps going. I, I, I'm a big believer that it's never too late to say thank you, and it's never too late to say I'm sorry. Like There's not a statute of limitations on those two things. Even if it's been years later, it's okay to say, you know what, I should have said this long before now, but thank you. Or I'm sorry. It's never too late to say thank you. It's never too late to say I'm sorry. Sometimes it's awkward because then you have to admit, well, I didn't when it actually happened, but I need to now. So sometimes it's awkward, but it's never too late to say thank you. It's never too late to say I'm sorry. But what I've noticed about me and about most people is If I don't do it the moment that I think about it, life just keeps running away from me, and I never get back to it. If I don't say the words, write the card, make the phone call, go see the person, and say it in that moment, I'm off to the next thing. I'm off to the next thing. Look, let me encourage all of us. When it comes to developing hearts of gratitude, do it immediately. Do it now. We have all thought, 
I should say thank you to that person. I should send that person a note, and we didn't. Hopefully, we don't do that all the time. But all of us have times in our life where we thought, I should have, and then six months later, we remember, I never did that. I never said the words. Do it quickly. Make it a, a habit in your life. One guy out of ten does this. And Jesus says to that one guy, your faith has healed you. Now, we've already said all ten had some level of faith. Like They believed certain things about Jesus, enough to obey him when he told them to turn and go to the They had some level of faith, but to this one, something else happened in his heart. Like There was a deeper level of faith. He trusted Jesus not just for Jesus' miracles, not, Jesus, not just for Jesus' power, not just for what Jesus could do for him. He saw Jesus as God, as Messiah, as the one to be worshipped, the one to kneel down to, which is what the text really says. He went back and he knelt down. He recognized Jesus as God and Savior, there was something that happened in his heart that didn't happen in the hearts of other people. And, and, and the question is, for us, which are we today? As we roll into Thanksgiving week, which are we? Are we the ones who believe certain things about Jesus? Or are we the ones who are deeply grateful for the work of Jesus in our lives? Not just the gifts that He gives us, not just the good things that He does in our life, but we are grateful that He is Messiah and Savior. Has He changed us at that deep level? Because He offers it to everyone. He offers grace, He offers love, He offers mercy to everyone. But some will stop. Some will turn and go back. Some will bow at His feet. And say thank you. Let's be those people. This week, this Thursday, every week. People who overflow with thankfulness. God, we pray that you would work in our hearts. Hearts that are drawn to comparison. Hearts that are tempted toward rivalry. Hearts that have opinions and rush to enter arguments and instead give us hearts that overflow with thankfulness. Let us be the ones who stop. Let us be the ones who turn. Let us be the ones who say what needs to be said. Not allowing life to just rush on because it's going to. This week is going to pass quickly and the next week's going to come and more obligations are, are going to come. There's never going to be a day that arrives that's suddenly the right day for being thankful. It's only as we allow your spirit to stop us and as we obey the commands to be thankful that we will develop a heart of gratitude that will be as much a gift to us as it is to anyone else. Let us be those people. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.